Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Right? I'm not alright. But it's time to record. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognar, the young, the young Grognar, kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the kings, and with the quest, Gorgarrett. Our party in the last episodes have been on quite the tumultuous journey, having slain the white dragon Eindindrith and climbed the mighty peaks with which it had dwelt. They have seen the mighty Bigfoot. And, or at least one of them did. They, they saved many a bugbear. And again, they, they, they saw Bigfoot. It's not that important, really. Maybe at the ending, it'll have like a, like a Marvel sort of ending at the after credits where like Bigfoot shows up and he's like, I have an important job for you to do. And you're like, holy shit, Bigfoot was there all along. But anyway, party used weird strange moon teleportation magic thanks to Klika, our resident strange thing and made it back to Enton only to realize that Enton uh, is under siege. Seems that the Iron Maelstrom is at the gates, led by the queen herself. Uh, apparently it's pretty clear to everybody that things are not looking good. And our party uh, have met with the council and gave a very interesting little speech about how they had been doing some work on the boat in hopes of them... Uh, the uh, wave right there in hopes of them being able to somehow i don't know get out of here apparently the place is completely besieged on all sides they're waiting for any sort of help and strangely enough citizens are sacrificed near daily uh one by one two by two as the ark doth claim them um and the uh situation is not looking like it's going to get any better any soon so in an act of desperation jarzak found that his boat the wave wraith uh, had been augmented by a group of gnomes, uh, the gnomes having believed that he actually was a gnome himself uh, through the powers of his great character build. And um, yeah. Oh, I don't know. And then something happened where I, I guess Starbreeze set the building on fire, tried to kill everybody, and then in that everybody had pretty much called home burn down to the ground, nearly killing everybody. Unimportant. Kick the clicks, basically dead. But uh, we kick back in now as our hellish queen herself, as we've known her as Kalaskai, um, what? pretty much stand... What? We've known her as what? Kalaskai? Since when? Uh, since our friend Jaden um, 
somebody had mentioned it at a couple points. Look, man, okay, it's not my fault that I have com- complicated names you guys don't remember. Sure, man. Calisai, got it. Calisai. Callus guy. I have said that name before. Uh-huh. You know, and the three people who listen to this podcast are going to be very upset with you when they know it. Yeah, shout it. Shout Fucking let me know. Definitely come at him. The four people who play this podcast with you aren't quite sure on this whole thing. I also think it's safe to say that we, the time that it's been since you guys heard that name, I mean, that was, that was literally like six months ago now. Like, it doesn't surprise me. The name was supposed to be tossed in there on top as like a little like catch it if you're listening sort of detail. Not like, here is her name. Here is her address. It was like somebody referenced her name, right? It's not important. It kind of is. But anyway, uh, our friend Queen Erevar is floating above the wreckage here as uh, Kick the Click, who apparently, I don't know, had fallen down trying to help wake up uh, Jarzak, his BFF, and his little family mate, his fellow rabbit bloodsucker. And as the building collapses in on itself in a fiery inferno, Jarzak heeds the call of, of adventure as he climbs into the conflagration headfirst. So again, the entire building is pretty much collapsed in on itself. You can see some of the major structures, such as like the, the chimney and whatnot, like the stoneworks are still up. And the, what you would imagine, the basement cellar, the main floor hasn't collapsed in yet, but anybody who has an idea of how these sort of structures operate, and especially operating when they're on fire, uh, it seems likely that with enough heat and enough pressure on the floor, this whole thing is going to collapse into the basement, and it's not going to be good. So with that in mind, Jarzak was the only one who said he would be leaping up to the plate first. So... Uh, with tons of onlookers around at like, again, like three o'clock in the morning or whatever. What's the party going to do? Is, is there any water in the area? I mean, there is the ocean and there are some wells and How bucket far? brigades are already getting ready to start putting this out. But with the town under such duress and such restraint because of the siege, it's not like there's a ton of people who are readily able at this time of night to go help out. So the best you've got are helping, but this is definitely uh, not going to work out well. Okay. I was going to maybe try control water, try to use one of those features to possibly get a large amount to dampen the fire. But I don't know if I'm even within range of any source of water of that type. I mean, if you were to do it, you'd have to be getting it from a well, and there's no well that's, like, directly near here. So if you were going to do that, um, it's likely by the time you did that, the place would have collapsed in on itself, and you'd be doing more damage control than anything. If you'd like to do the damage control sort of thing, instead you could go to the uh, local uh, the river that sort of bisects the town, and you could do that instead. Try to sort of redirect the river and just, like, force a gush of it to go this way. And sort of dampen the grasses and the buildings and all that. So this spell has a 300 foot range. Would that like seem feasible? In the amount of time I have? Um, 
with a 300 foot range i mean you'd still have to travel over to the river because this place isn't like right on the river or anything like that and 300 mm -hmm. feet though it is a, a long distance again you could try to redirect the river but because the town's built up with sort of like i don't want to say it like canals you'd mm -hmm. have to be forcing the river levels to go up high enough to even go divert in this way so it seems like it'd be very difficult and you'd pretty much again just be doing damage control for the region around it okay Still an important thing. I mean, if this goes out of hand and I roll some scary dice, I mean, this entire city could catch on fire. Yeah, you know? I think for because the, I mean, the only other backup was I was going to maybe see it, a long shot, but create water and then use that water. But I don't know if that's like cheating. How much? Can create food and water. What do you mean create the water that you use with the, the water spell yeah, there? Yeah, on the water. I'm pretty sure that water wouldn't be a viable source to be able to do that, though. Dang, because it's just like, it's in containers. Okay, never mind. I thought that was going to be like a workaround, but... Because I feel like at that point, you could probably use that spell on a, like a wall of wine bottles if you wanted to at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a but lot that of... That wouldn't really work. I feel like the alcohol would just be like throwing oil on it. That, that wouldn't be a good idea. I think That'd be just some strong wine. I'm definitely not asking you to do that. I'm just saying that, yeah. I think I'm, I think Anton's just thinking more of like, oh shit, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I don't know. I think he's like just thinking, I gotta get control over this, and he starts to head over toward the river, or at least the the closest form of water he can get to get some kind of control over this madness of fire brigade on the go okay yeah and we'll say that again you use your spell to sort of like divert the canal to to force it up and over the mm -hmm. ledge and just send like something of uh i don't want to say it like um not like a mudslide but you know what i'm saying like that thin layer of like overlapping water just like an entire tides worth like an inch or two of water just come reveling down the roads and over like, the like lawns and stuff like that yeah basically but like a gentle flood you know what i mean like the tides coming in Got but, it. So it's hidal. Yeah. That way we're not just water parking the town real quick. But um, okay. So as Anton rushes off to go do that in his little holy footy pajamas, what's everybody else going to be up to? Uh, Norhill's going to go through the uh, crowd and try to make sure you know whether or not there's anybody unaccounted for uh, who was in the inn. So he's uh, he's basically like doing a head count essentially okay i mean the only people that seem to be missing are a couple of maybe random patrons but your ability to remember who was there and who wasn't there is not gonna be you know what i mean like that that seems like the kind of thing for you to have accounted for all like the 50 people who were there that night you know what i mean anybody important that's missing is just k Uh, so uh, once he's sure that pretty much everybody is out, he's going to start uh, collecting volunteers for different jobs. Like you know, get a couple people on the roofs to you know stamp out any sparks before you know the fire starts to spread to other houses, or carry messages to people who need to know what's going on, that sort of thing. Yeah, just a good old dwarf stomping brigade, just stamping yeah, exactly. on little, little sparks and whatnot. Okay. And then uh, what about Jarzak and Klika? Uh, Jarzak knocked uh, Starbreeze out, right? 
Yeah, I believe that was how that went around. I think he swung the mace at him and cracked him over the head. Yeah, all right. And then Klika dimension door dealt with him. Uh, yeah, so Klika will flag someone down to take care of Starbreeze. And then I guess if she sees Jarzak go back into the building, she'll go back into the building with Jarzak. Yeah, I mean, again, the only parts of the building that are truly, like, stand up and, like, recognizable at this point now that it's collapsing in on itself. I mean, there's a couple pieces of, like, uh, um, I don't want to say this, like, scaffolding, like, like some of the uh, the pillars for the walls are still standing. But for the most part, the place is, like, the roof fell in on it and the walls have given out pretty well. So, like, you guys could walk through one of the old walls right into the main area here. But he collapsed in from the second floor, from what Jarzak recalls. Um, so he's about 20 feet into the building. Yeah, as soon and as it's just Dryzak flaming rubble. Realized the kick was in there, he would be running back in. So. so I have a quick question. When you say you had someone take care of Starbreeze, what, what version of take care were you mentioning? Because there's take care like you're legitimately taking care of someone or you're you're taking care of someone because he did just try I to... just flagged down a <laughs> random peasant and it was like, stab this guy to death. I gotta go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, given the situation, it's probably one of the people that uh, Norhill was roping in to help with the situation. So Starface is probably not being stabbed to death. Yeah. Uh, unless, unless one of the people didn't flagged get down him is all... a spy. <laughs> We didn't get him all the way up to a dragon and back to just have him be murdered. Just gotta make sure, man, because he made some assassination tips. But well, yeah. All right. So in that case, uh, if Jarzak is really going to do this, um, once and he walks up to like... Oh, Klika's coming into the fire too? But yeah, if she sees Jarzak go in, she'll go in too. That's what I said. Well, I mean, you were busy hiring homeless people to, to stab your friends, so I, I didn't, you know, that's a different level of murder hobo, I guess, you know? Because, <laughs> like, what what is it when you hire somebody to become when you the murder make hobo? the murder hobo, yeah. Murder it's hobo like the peasant railgun, but it's like a level of, like, moral trolling where it's like, I'm not the murder hobo. We hired a murder hobo. <laughs> Just let him do it. But, um, okay, I mean, once you guys walk up to the uh, the precipice of the building here, the overall, like, the heat that's blowing off this thing already is, like, insurmountable. Anything that could possibly be in here under that rubble has moments left to live. If that. All right. And, again, this strange succubus-looking flying demon thing is just hovering over this wreckage right now and sort of just reveling in the madness, screeching and laughing to itself as it does. Well, I mean, as long as she's having a good time, no need to rain on that parade. I'm about to. How far away is she? Stupid. Ooh, tomato, tomato. Um, But okay. And so what did you say? How far away is she? Uh, flying overhead of the building, about 30 feet above the ground. No one's going to shoot at her. <laughs> Where are you going to shoot at her? Crossbow. 
Okay. Fair enough. Oh, and got an 18 to hit. Okay. So an 18 does hit. You fire it off, flies up, and shoots her in the leg. Be gone, um, wench. Go <laughs> For a single point of damage. Very well. And so she dies. Turns out she was weak to one and only one thing. Um, but as she grabs onto the uh, the bolt that's in her leg, she looks over at Norhill and gives sort of like a tisk tisk looking finger, and she pulls off of her uh, belt a small pouch and pulls out of it something that you can't really see from here. But judging by her pantomimed hand movements as she pulls something out, it looks like a hair. Maybe a scraggly, bristly hair that belongs to somebody's beard. And as she pulls it taut, she looks down at you and starts to murmur under her breath. And as she pulls this hair tighter and tighter, it snaps. And it might as well have been a dropkick to your spine. I'm going to need you to do me a favor, Norhill. Can you go ahead and roll me a charisma saving throw? And certainly try. I can get an 18. Very well. Um, and again, as you feel this crack in your back as that happens, she giggles to herself with glee and says, I guess I have to try harder. And begins to ruffle around in her little pouch again as she keeps looking back at you feverishly and conniving as if she's got something else in there, maybe for you. What would you like to do? Would you like to stay here and keep shooting at her with your crossbow? The dragon lasted 12 seconds. How long do you have? Wait, what did you say? The dragon lasted 12 seconds. How long do you have? Okay, I was so confused. Who? Brandon? Brandon lasted Oh, Dan, you don't know what we're talking about, but we all know who Kapalapas guy is. Hey, man, it's not my fault you can't read. True. (laughs) That's on me. I wish that's you would bring American, it up as often as you do. Right, that's the there's a good old USA educational system failing right there. Um, but with that, she just kind of cackles to herself and she says, Dragons, do you think I care what happens to dragons? You look upon the new empire of this realm. First Amaroth, then Azkabellum. They will all fall, Norhill. All of them. I think you're. I think you're deluded if you believe that you're going to live to see this new world order that's been promised. And she says, "I have something that many people want, and I have the love of somebody who's in a lot of control right now. You would do well to listen to me. If only you had listened before. How did the dwarves in the hall fare? Is this what's left?" And she sweeps her sharp nailed hands back and forth as she looks over those burning wreckage down here and all the people screaming in fear. She says, is this what you saved? This is what you salvaged? Such a pity. We'll find a way to fight or die trying. And with that, she just sort of snickers a couple more times to herself and becomes ethereal, disappearing from all sight. So, with Klika and Jarzak on the precipice of the building, um, 
yeah, it's it's not going to be good going into this. Um, it's going to be pretty brutal. And I'm imagining we're going to suffer some levels of exhaustion rather than take fire damage because to have to rack out these... I mean, I don't know. I figure the fire damage is probably where it's at. I know Cleek is just going to use some sort of a fire shield or some shit and be like, yeah, I don't Cleek, take fire damage. Cleek is going to immediately cast the cold version of fire shield to give herself resistance to fire damage. That is correct. <laughs> Jarzak's going to cast the uh, armor bag at this, which puts the cold shield on him. Now, does that does, doesn't, doesn't give him resistance, though. No, it just prevents damage. So. I'll say this much. Jarzak, once you once you approach the precipice, you feel your Daikatana blade at your side. The blade of the wandering swordsman begin to hum and vibrate again. And you can see it glows with a blue light even out of the sheath. I pull it out and slash the burning log or burning building. See if it okay. does anything. Yeah, I mean, as you go to swing in on it, you feel your arm sort of held at restraint and you feel the vibration as if it's trying to communicate with you. Oh, what, what, what's up? We, we're on a time crunch. It says to you, fear has always been your enemy. If you go now, save the ones you love. Bravery is your blade. Uh, yeah, Jarzak so, jumps into the fire. You die. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> he breathed in too much smoke already. He's tripping balls. <laughs> but anywho, um, and Klika has to watch. Um, but yeah, so as Klika meanders through the front door, taking apparently what do you get resistance to fire damage? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you still gotta fucking take it. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. All right, so as you meander through the door, uh, oh, okay, you both take one single-pointed fire damage as you enter the enter the building, as its hot and licking flames seem to poke at you. I, now, yeah, look, I keep going. Yeah, I'm going to need you to do an investigate check or a perception check. I'll let you actually choose it. Darzak, you have advantage because you know where he was. You were the last one to think to have seen him. And Klika, you can do the same, but just not at advantage. Uh, 14. Okay. Perception. Zero. Yeah, just slap the zero on the end of the 14. 140. We, we know where he is. Um, but with a 14, you have a very good idea of where he could be. But he is going to be a, a far distance for traveling over and burning things. So I grab Klika and cast fly on both of us to zip over there. Okay, very well. So as you hover over the wreckage, the heat raising off of this uh, seems to lap at you. Klika takes five points of fire damage. I already have it for you. And you take nine points of damage, Jarzak as the heat that's rising is blistering and yeah, even the sweat pouring off your brow seems to steam before it hits the ground below you. But as you two fly overhead and begin to dip down, um, you can see something seeming to, to, I don't want to say this, something's like bulging out from the wreck underneath. And as you peep down and look down through the smoke and everything, uh, you can see that there is one insectoid-looking leg sticking out. 
as soon as Klinka sees it, she's going to fly down and Dimension Door out with Kick the Click as well. Okay. And, okay. Easy peasy then. Um, Jar's like, did you roll your concentration check because he got burned while flying? Uh, four. That oh. <laughs> that oh, ain't no. it. So as, I mean, it was something. So as you uh, get lower enough to see what's going on, Kalika drops, grabs onto Kick's leg and teleports. And as you sort of look on to see where they would poof up, you get uh, like, a, I guess, a, a board beneath you seems to snap and as flame gushes up at you, you lose your concentration and land on your side on the burning bonfire here. Um, yeah. And your body weight crashing onto the building. Oh, it, and in case you want to add anything more, it was a natural one that turned into a four. So, <laughs> well, as you, I, I just rolled dice for the structure of the building and it's, it's not looking good. I got a fumble on it. So as you land on your side. Wow, that's three fumbles because I got you. one on my yeah. perception and then Jarzak gets one on his concentration and you just got one. Back to back <laughs> once. As you land on it, the fire deals an additional 11 points as the floorboards beneath you give out and it seems like you're collapsing into the cellar. Okay. Oh. What would you like to do? I. Hmm. Am I able to move? Yeah, you will, but you're going to be trying to climb out of burning wreckage. So it's going to be probably an athletics check to be able to pull yourself up and out. I will also say. The blade is vibrating and humming again. I pull it out. Oh, what's up? We got, we gotta go. As you pull the blade out, the spectral form of the swordsman appears about five or so feet away from you, kneeling down on the edge and holds its hand out for you to grab onto. Uh, yeah okay I grab his hand okay and as you're pulled up the burning fire here you take an additional holy smokes 15 points of damage okay and you are pulled out of the wreckage and flop over the side past where the chimney is and as you pull yourself over and flop onto the ground there, a group of Norhill-driven dwarves come over and pick you up <laughs> and immediately pull you over to the wet, grassy landing where Anton's water has been puddling and pooling and coming over here. And they immediately start to try to drizzle the water over you, not understanding first aid and burn etiquette. So with that, a very hot and blistered Jarzak. Uh, are you bloodied? No. Damn. So with the, that, yeah, the armor is pretty good, but it, well, you definitely knocked out all of it, and then some of my health. So <laughs> I'm good. 
And so with that, yeah, it seems like the building just completely collapses after that first part in the basement fell down. And it just lets out a huge burning, like, whoosh, as a whole wave of licking flames rises up into the sky. And the embers begin to fly up into the air, flying all around the city as the wind takes them and swirls them about. People are in a state of panic over this as these uh, little embers flying about are doing their thing. But Norhill, having instructed everybody how to properly do the dwarven stomp dance, this doesn't seem like it's going to be too much of a problem. People are awoken with the sound of bells and alarms and everybody begins to help out with dashing every fire that seems to pop up anywhere. And what seems like could have been potentially a catastrophe that could have ended Enten. Um, it looks like through the efforts of the group, this has pretty much been uh, quelched. Um, but yeah, and so with that, as the building smolders and smokes, um, what would you guys like to do? I want to see Click. Kick the right. Click, make sure he's good. Click is definitely unconscious. Okay, I just wanted can... to make sure Click just didn't dimension door out with just a leg. <laughs> the peg leg. Like... Yeah, I got the wooden leg first because that's what was going to burn up. Now we can go back and get Click. Click, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wow, okay. Click actually comes too. I just rolled to stabilize, and yeah, we're we're stable. So he's <laughs> he's he's burned up and fucked up, but he's he's there. That good so old I imagine desert. Jarzak comes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he's like, can somebody turn the uh, AC off? It's kind of cold in this smoldering building, but um, but yeah, I imagine everybody circles over to click to see how he's doing, and click just kind of looks back and forth, and. Uh, once you look down at his uh, his legs here, you recognize that um, his burned peg leg is indeed burned, leaving him with his one good leg and his four arms. But he definitely looks singed and pretty pretty worse for wear. But he's stable. Time to heal. Clicka just gives him a big hug. He's very. Zach also gives him a big hug. And he, activates his yeah. gauntlet in sex speech in case he says something. Yeah, no, Kick definitely speaks up and he says, um, I did everything I could to help you. I did everything I could to protect my family. You you did great. We we're all here because of you. Starbreeze wakes up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Starbreeze. Norhill, do you know someone who can make him a new leg? Plenty. Okay, because he's going to need it. You just make him another shitty peg leg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like... Sure, so isn't it? <laughs> like, we had all the resources. Oh, this just, piece didn't burn. Yeah, just grab a piece of burning lumber, <laughs> stamp it out a bit, blow on it a few times, and slap it on. Good no. But, um, okay. So with that, I mean, uh, Caracol, Margay, Auk, Yigkalath, everybody seems to be safe at this point, and they're all sort of circling around. And Auk has picked up Starbreeze by the scruff of his neck and his, what's left of his burned clothing. And he hoists him over, and Yigkalath holds a blade to his neck and walks, the, walks our friend over to you guys. And Yigkalath speaks up and says, What are we to do with the traitor? 
I don't think he was a traitor. I think he was under her control. Would you, you want us to think you were a traitor if someone else controlled you? He counts like, look, I'm just trying to fucking help. He burned the building. No, I'm just yeah, I, yeah, and he'll pay for that. But let's have him wake up and hear his side. Uh, oh, he's isolate, uh, isolate him first. Uh, get him away from everybody else in case he's still dangerous. Uh-oh. He's yeah. awake. Dangerous. But... In the meantime, Anton's going to heal Kitsiklik and Jarzak, and I don't know if anyone else needs some healing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast two cure wounds. The okay. team of dwarfs set up a little med bay. <laughs> All the little doors just up, 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 up. But um, I imagine Starbreeze is relocated to the guard post where Caracol and Margate are apparently now in control and in charge. And they uh, basically strap him to a uh, like the couch there and just like keep him there on the couch at, at weapons reach. Um, were you guys going to actually talk to him or were you just going to keep him in holding? Yes, that's probably it's probably best that we talk to him because yeah. we're the only ones we know for sure aren't spies. Hmm. So, okay, so the party rounds up inside the uh, inside the guard post a few minutes after Starbreeze is let in here, and Starbreeze looks. I don't know. I mean, you can roll for insight on that if you want upon entering the building. Yeah, so, <laughs> but Starbreeze yeah. did it on purpose. He's just like, fuck you guys. Tired of this. Ugh. Five. Eleven. Uh, dirty twenty for uh Norhill to get an idea of Will we rolling? Current state. <laughs> Insight. Insight. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that heal, Anton. I just rolled a full seventeen today. Seventeen. That's my number today. Is it fifteen? 17. Oh, okay. So, Norhill and Anton, upon walking in, since our friend with an 11 and our other friend with, what was it, 5? But, uh, Norhill Fine, let's rough them up more. (laughs) Norhill and Anton have a very good read on him as they come in and see his look of shame, desperation, and pain. He looks like he just accidentally burned down an entire building and almost killed a lot of people. Like he has the look of that weight having been dropped on his lap like a bowling ball. So he's just sitting there in his shame and he doesn't even bother to look up more than like a couple inches at you guys. And he says, are you going to lock me up for this? Tell me what happened. He says, look, I was playing my music the night before. I finally let myself go and embraced who I am. I was playing better than before. I was feeling happy and confident. And, you know, people were finally enjoying my music and enjoying my presence. And some girl came up to me and I don't know. She asked to spend the night with me. And next thing I knew, I was in Klika's room and he mutters under his breath. I was holding her down after the building was on fire. Nothing in between those two things. He says, why would I lie to you people? Not saying or lying, only establishing what happened, that we may avoid it in the future. 
He says, I, I don't really remember much. He says, we just, you know, I went to bed and next thing I knew, I woke up in Kliga's room. You you don't have to worry too much about Kleeka. She would have been fine. Apparently. Um, but <laughs> but with that, he just says, So what? They all think I'm the spy? They think I'm one of those spies. They might. Unless we can establish that something else is going on here. He says. I think it's safe to say there's probably no spies. It's just people who are hired to do her dirty work and cause disarray. I wonder how much she had heard at the tavern. Wait, did she hire you? Like, no, 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 no. Smacks him over the head the third time in the campaign to knock him out. Yeah. Can we just stop beating up Starfreeze? <laughs> Grab up my mace. Did she hire you? Like Charles, like, when did you get a gun? <laughs> like, listen, man, I own a boat now. <laughs> I gotta protect my shit. This is a blunderbuss. Charles, <laughs> like, where? Did, why are you dragging a car battery in a kiddie pool? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, kind of forget the last point we said. Okay, Charles, like, asked if he was hired by her. I think that goes without saying that he wasn't, but he says, no, of course not. Nah, she I must thought I would something. catch him there in a lie. Yeah, or did I? Uh, then, you may, then you may be on to something. You're probably right. There are no spies, nor were they hired. Some strange, she used some strange sorcery on me possible that she's using it on other people and in great numbers yeah needless to say the level of power and oomph behind what she tried to do to you like you felt yourself just skirt past the guillotine blade and i mean like this wasn't some like oh she tried to do an attack like i mean she tried to kill you if she can command magic to kill, then surely she can command magic to persuade. Make a person forget. Do things that they normally wouldn't. Can any of my knowledges, like possibly knowledge of religion, give me more insight into like what kind of level of, like is this something that's just simply magic or is it something that maybe could have been given to her by a higher deity kind of deal? Can he discern any of that, or is there just not enough information? I mean, from what you know about Succubi and what you know about all that kind of thing, I mean, this sort of magic she's using is definitely powerful stuff. I don't think that'd be a religion check so much as an arcana check, but it's safe to say when anybody hears the way Norhill speaks about it, that it sounds like, I mean, clearly this callous guy is... Uh, very powerful indeed and to be given such an opportunity as she had proclaimed to be sort of a partner in this whole venture of conquering the realm clearly she's got some powers to her to help her out with it and i will say i know it's been a long time since we went over this sort of thing too but does anybody remember what happened when we used those scrying gems in azkabellum and we looked back at where she was 
Yeah, she was a creepy you, demon. She you remember what we said there? Like, All our, a bunch of our stuff. Norhill thinks back about her pulling what appeared to be a hair out of a bag and snapping it, and he felt his back like get snapped in half for a split second. Begins to put things together that this might be like sort of like demonic hexes. This isn't just like spell casting, this is like unraveling people's existences with arcane power. When she did what she did to me, she used a hair or some kind of component. Presumably my hair. This goes beyond any magic that I've ever heard of. So I think it's safe to say whether this is something unique or something recognizable. Uh, it's certainly dangerous in the extreme. And we should make the assumption that this isn't the first time she's made a move like this. Nor the last. Now we wish I knew more. If I knew more, I knew more of how to defend ourselves against it. Spells that can control the mind and the body. I mean, again, this isn't necessarily a spell so much as like, like a hex. Like this is like an unraveling of a soul. Like this is deep magic. You know what I mean? It's kind of like how Jarzak's hex curses kind of work, where it's like it's different. You know what I mean? It's more of like a soul-bound kind of business. Mm. I think Anton's just going to have a hard time conceptualizing that. just don't think he'll get it. Very well. Seems like the only defense is to not put yourself in the line of fire. But then, as we've seen, she can wear a face that one won't recognize. Who knows how many. How is Starbreeze looking, by the way? Does he still look like distraught? Yeah. I mean, again, he looks like he just kind of tried to kill everybody. Well, Anton just sits down, gives him a pat on the back, and he says, well, strange as this may sound, you're not the first adventurer who accidentally burns down a building or possibly a town to save others. We're not. It, it happens, so welcome to the, one of the first first lessons of adventuring. A- Anton, did you start a club for burning down taverns? No, no, I'm just I'm just reflecting. It, 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 adventuring comes with a level of destruction. I, I recognize that destruction to property. It's a it's a part of the job if you either intend it or not. So, yeah. if you wanted that experience, you're getting it. But just so I want to make it clear, it, you're not the only one who's ever made that mistake unintentionally before. The, the dangerous part would have been if he was competent. But luckily, he's a big fuck-up loser. So, I mean, <laughs> even when he's under mind control, he can't do the job right. Yeah, see that that that, 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 that was uh, her fr- that, that was her first mistake. <laughs> she should have mind controlled one of us. I would not have liked that. No. That yeah, would have been pretty fucky if it was like Klika that got mind control or something. Oh god. 
<laughs> just jars no. darkness on everything so you can't see just on the stairs so you can't get down and the building's burning so you have to just jump out a window <laughs> yes i'm glad you haven't thought this one through or anything but anywho um <laughs> see adventuring comes with a little preemptive planning of murdering your own party and using your spells to great effect <laughs> but um okay so at this point Caracol, Margay, and the rest of the clan of your adventuring party have uh, showed up here. And it um, seems like what's on everybody's mind is what to do next. And as they sort of look at you guys, it seems like it's printed on their faces that they're just trying to figure out, like, what do you think we should do next? Clearly, they lost their base of operations. Clearly, they're dealing with an enemy who's able to sneak into freaking bedrooms and cause these issues. And it does not seem like this is going to get any easier. Even if Norhill did a whole point of damage to her. <laughs> Which will heal completely in eight hours. Um, let's see. For now, I think, like I said, the best thing to do is to stay out of her line of fire. Uh, everybody actively involved in the defenses should always should always move. Uh, don't set up another permanent uh, base of operation. Uh, pick a different one every other day at least, every day if possible. Uh, you know, stay in cells and keeps underground, stone buildings with no easy entrances. Uh, and everybody in town, even non-defenders, can should never sleep alone and always in shifts. That it seems like Caracol's just like literally jotting these things down and getting it prepared. As he's definitely more the uh, recording notes and following them leader of this uh, militia, whereas Margage is sort of taking it all in and nodding. But with that, there comes a point where Yigalith sort of speaks up, even though she's sort of in the background sitting down, and she says, "Does this mean we need to leave?" I was loath to say it, but you are right. Uh, we need we need to leave. The, the, nobody can fight an extended siege against the Iron Maelstrom. Our only hope will be to defeat the Herald of Steel and quickly. And that means finish. Uh, fin and that means finishing the portal as soon as possible. And so with that, I mean, if they're um, after us, why won't why would we could just take the boat? But the uh, the boat is hemmed in by the the iron maelstrom, strange sea creatures. How are we going to get it out? Uh, you, but I am not adept at fighting underwater. I'm not at liberty to disclose that kind of information right now, Norhill. Right, because there are spies. Yes, then, and it right. could be any but, of us. But there's like, then why, did, why did you bring look at it our up? Group? Because <laughs> uh, uh, it's my boat. Why Dar wouldn't Dar I want to use did it? Did you just want to say that you're not at liberty to say something that you know that we don't? <laughs> and I am the captain, so that's why. Good old really? Captain Jarzag. 
from Dolphin Boy to Captain. That's Captain oh. Dolphin Boy to you. <laughs> Dolphin Man. Even fighting through strange sea creatures, I like our chances at the ocean better than I like our chances fighting through the siege. It, yeah, me too. That's why we could just take the boat, get through those creatures, call it a day. Who are we going to take with us on the boat? Because we can't take everybody. It's a... Yeah, but I mean, we could take the important people. I suppose we should ask, who would come with us and who will stay behind? Neither choice is an easy one. I only Marge. ask volunteers. I was going to say, Margay steps forward and says in a very unlike her way, she says, my place is here protecting the city. And Caracol puts a hand on her shoulder, puts his little notepad that he was recording Norhill's notes on, and he steps aside to be right next door and he says, our place is defending the city. That makes sense. It's your city. But like all the rest of us in this room probably should just leave. Jarzak, I think they were trying to have a moment. I, oh. Yeah, I mean, but if it was your home, uh, uh, he thinks about it and just like looks to Klika, looks to Anton, he's like, Norhill, uh, you would do the same. <laughs> <laughs> no one else has a home. <laughs> But, yeah. And so with that, Yigkalath and Auk just kind of look to you guys and they say, or at least Yigkalath says, we've been following you for a while and doing our best to help out with these efforts. Even though we might not agree on everything, this would be a very different world if I didn't help. Whatever comes of this, I'd rather be in the scenario that you win rather than them. And it seems at this point, like, the grim tone of the way Yigkalif basically lays her alignment on the table and is just like, you guys know I don't agree with you philosophically, right? And basically says that, like, she's been helping you because it's been the best thing for her. You know what I mean? And Ox seems to have that go over his head. And he just kind of steps forward and he says, me too. But with that, um, yeah. And Kick just doesn't even seem like there's a question. Every time you've mentioned, like, who are we going to take with us? Kick is right next to you, just like, yeah, who's coming with us? But he's <laughs> hovering with one foot on the ground and the other foot not. And he's just, like, sort of leaning on, on Jarzak. Yeah. And then we need some crew. Because, I mean, I might be captain, but... uh. uh you know, we need the first mate and other crew to do ship things that, that I definitely know how to do, but they could do for me because I'm captain now. Right. Jarzak, you can collect your first mate, and I'm sure that he's, he, he knows some willing crew somewhere in town. Hopefully. Maybe we have to go back to Bone Break. <laughs> That's oh, we're asking. <laughs> See now, now Anton's got an end with him. Like maybe yeah. you've heard of us. 
Bone break to <laughs> the bone break into unbone breakable. <laughs> Just Anton shows up, breaks it all down. Oh. It seems um, to me we have a voice unaccounted for. What the hell's unaccounted for? Starbreeze. <laughs> Oh, I didn't figure Star Priest was allowed to come I, along at this. No, point. he's. The, I said everyone in this room, or well, everyone else Star in the room, Priest stays moping there, and he says, "I don't know what to do or where to be." He says for a moment, I felt like I had a purpose in that room, and to be duped like that, he says it just takes something out of you. He says I know you guys are going to tell me over and over again that stuff like that happens and it's just something that happens and we have to forgive ourselves he says but how many times do I have to fail how many times do I have to get hit in the head how many times do I have to be told that I'm not good enough to participate says maybe my place is actually here I'd rather be helping in this losing fight and tag along with you guys and be told to sit down now how would you create new songs of adventure if you don't see any adventure? Says, you know, you hit me in the head a lot that last time, and I was already unconscious. Starbreeze? <laughs> I know I did. You go after Kleeka, that's it. But this is a second chance, because I'm not blaming you for that one. So with that, he just says, if I'm coming along, I'm helping on the ship, and that's it. A moment ago, I would have said that you ought to come with us. That perhaps there's still a scrap of influence uh, that the Queen has over you. But if you wish to stay here and aid in this losing fight, as you call it, you have a unique, ins uh, unique insight into the enemy's tactics. How many people have been duped such as you and have lived to understand what they've done? Perhaps there's something you can do to help these people. Turn the tide, even slightly. So that he gives a couple of short nods and he says, perhaps there is some way we can have people keep others accountable and, and sort of track where other people are maybe some sort of accountability for each other and keep track of people's whereabouts. Perhaps there's some system that we could put into place so that this doesn't happen again. Yeah, we'll pair you up in teams of two. Call it the... the, the two system. The pal system. The friendship system. The companion system. That's what we're going to name the party. The friendship system. <laughs> <laughs> they truly were a system of friendship. <laughs> I got it. The buddy system. I, I like so, that. I, but I believe you can do some good here in that respect, Starbreeze. Because, so because now you carry the weight of what you've done. Is there anything to make it right? Perhaps, perhaps not. But I believe that you'll try your very hardest in the attempt. And that's what counts. 
And so he just nods a couple times and he's got a look of determination on his face, even past what you've said, just knowing that he might be able to help out like what you had said initially. It seems he's already kind of deafened his ears to anything else that's going on in the room and already seems to be calculating and preparing systems in his mind as if, I don't know, it seems like Starbreeze just really needed a purpose. You know what I mean? And having something so viscerally like happen to him and he felt so like helpless it seems like Starbreeze, after everything that's happened to him, you guys have, like, you know, you know, in, like, MMOs where you, like, power level characters at level one by sending them into, like, level 80 territory XP sharing? Like, this guy got XP <laughs> shared through 10 years of his life. Like, he just, like, he just hurtled through maturity. <laughs> like, he was just like, yo, what up? I play music. I'm, like, musical fuckboy. You guys slammed his head in the ground, killed a dragon at him, had him burn down a bit, like... This guy just went through the frickin' ring, but... Yeah, he definitely looks like he's a changed man, and not just because his hair is burned. But, yeah. And so with that, uh, Yigkal turns to Jarzak and says, Perhaps we should speak with the captain about assembling a crew ASAP? I mean, the first mate about... I am the captain, of course. I will go assemble the crew. Some random dwarves. You hear Jarzak from outside. First mate, where are you? <laughs> okay. And so, as the sun begins to rise on the uh, horizon there in the north, um, the party uh, see that the uh, lucky dog has been found. As everybody's out and about, and I don't know, Jarzak, do you tell him to hurry and gather a crew, or what? Uh, what was the progress like on the ship? Was it almost done? Yeah, it looked like it was pretty much done. Well, as done as it's ever going to be. Again, you know, I don't think finished is a is a characteristic of a jalopy okay, like yeah, this. True. Um, yeah, let him know to find good people for the crew. You can't just find anyone and uh, just make sure to ask if they're afraid of heights. If they say yes, don't bring them. Very well. And once you tell him this, he sort of taps you on the shoulder and he says, the uh, crew was decided before I even had an opportunity to look into it. Oh, I don't want to say that the Gnomish Council have had their hands all over this, but they are. I, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the, you the crew man- is who built it. Yeah, you get to manage them. I don't... And I'll just be in charge of you. And that works for me. So I don't have to deal with all that because they're going to be insane. Good luck. I guess you don't need it. That's why your name's Lucky Dog. Yeah, he just sighs and begins to rub his temples a little bit. And he heads down to the boat dock. And he says, Captain, I think we're going to be leaving before the sun crests. I'll, I'll get the rest of the team then. And so with that, as breakfast is prepared from all the homes in the area and given out to everybody who helped with the bucket brigades and putting out the fires, as black smoke still continues to rise from the smoldery heap that was the tavern. Um Jarzak does want to ask Norhill a question when we get a chance. Sure. Uh, 
Norhilla, do you want your family to come with us? I don't know what's going to be safer. So by this point, Norhill will probably have already asked his family if they want to escape the city, like, you know, in the time that we've had. Yeah, the time um, I found Lucky Dog. Yeah. So what do they think? Your father and a few of the other dwarves that have been sort of oligarchically in charge of their own little cluster there have had a plan in the making since they were under siege whereby if the city does fall under siege in the chaos there's a plan for how they're going to escape and they will try their damnedest to get to the mountain okay uh norhill will then tell jarzak there's a plan in place for all the dwarves to survive the siege okay perfect i just yeah, that didn't seem like it's a good choice or easy choice for you. Norhill looks like he's going to throw up. Uh, Norhill, uh, you need to not do that, and you need to also not do that on my ship. Not until we leave, of course. Yeah, because you get so seasick. Kings do not vomit. I, it's not true. I've seen... I've seen it. Somehow I believe you. <laughs> okay, that was, that was it. I just wanted to make sure this family was good. Let's go before okay. I change my mind. And so with that, the party plus Yigkalath and Auk uh, prepare themselves. They grab the okay. first uh, the first mate, Lucky Dog. And make their way to the ship. After speaking with the council one last time, who seem to be ready and waiting for you guys at the boat, they suggest that the boat doesn't seem like the kind of vessel that's going to very easily make it home. And this thing is basically capable of making two trips. And that is there and back. So they basically say if you guys... They say if you guys come to land, it seems unlikely you'll be able to finish this mission. But they've already set up some maps and things inside the vessel for how to get to the um, to the uh, island of Gorgareth and get to the volcano where the uh, dragon doth lie. But uh, yeah. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait! One more thing. Jarzak uh, uh, blindfolds Norhill before they see the ship. Uh, the the council, I imagine, has the potion from the dragon blood ready, or whatever it's going to be. And they hand over one single vial. It's about the size of like a shot glass. It is a tiny, tiny single dose little little thing there. <clears throat> And they basically say, don't drop it. Teehee. But how does it work? What do we do with it? You drink it and hope it works. Like all of us or just one of us? There's only enough in there for one person. Oh, boy. Right, uh, how about the mold for the immortal steel? 
And with that, one of the dwarves from the group there hand you over a mold that seems to be about the shape of the piece missing, and they hand you back your strange metal bar. Oh, we don't need that. It'll just come with us. Click just chucks it down a well. Click <laughs> <laughs> in the face. It's boomeranging back from the ocean. <laughs> Knocks out a couple it's, of it's, her it teeth. It reappears in your inventory. Yeah. You cannot destroy a quest item. <laughs> but, um, okay. And so with that, the uh, party begin to prepare to board the ship, I imagine. Yeah, is it still all covered and hidden? Yeah, not for long, though. Then just before they remove all the stuff, that's when Jarzak will blindfold Norhill. She'll be like, oh, you can't can't see quite yet. It's going to be a big surprise. And he's definitely going to wait to remove it until Norhill's on the boat and it's moved a little so that he has no choice. Okay. And so as you blindfold him and begin to push him up the uh, the gangplank up onto the boat, uh, the sounds of screams, terror, and shouting come from the uh, west side of the city. And it seems like some great bit of tumult is going on by one of the main gates out on the front. Yeah, let's go. So with that, yeah, the, the group, the council, everybody pushes you guys to the boat as they scramble to go back to the council headquarters. And they basically yell to you, just whatever you do, don't look down. And push you guys <laughs> up on there. Norhill's still blindfolded at this point. Just hears that. What? Excuse me. <laughs> and so with that, the group head onto, onto the deck here. And the various tarps are pulled off the top of this, revealing the same sort of mass that you had before as well as a very intricate series of piled coiled ropes and a very strange looking sort of tarp that hangs by the sides of it. Um, And as all this is going on, a couple of gnomes jump over the side of the boat wearing what appears to be like some sort of primitive scuba gear. And they have some like preloaded little like uh, crossbows that have something of like a hammer's head on the end of it. And once they go underneath, uh, some of the gnomes that are on deck, there's a crew of about 20 of them at this point, begin to grab onto the railings and grab onto ropes. Some of them begin to tie themselves like to something hard on the ship just to not uh, flop about. Yigkalath and Ark begin to run below deck for fear of whatever might be happening next. And yeah, so what would you guys like to do? I, What's going on? I unblindfold Norhill and I'm like, go with them <laughs> below deck quick. Blindfolded Norhill runs off the side of the boat. No, he's not blindfolded anymore. Jarzak said so, but yeah, Norhill sort of hurries below deck, uh, barely even sure of what's happening. (laughs) Right. What is a what's a Klika gonna do? Mm, Is there still a crow's nest? Yeah, yeah, Klika will go up there. All right, so she climbs about the uh, 15 or so feet above deck up to the crow's nest. Jarzak's going to go captain the ship. Lord. Okay, what about Anton? So what's Anton going to do? Anton's just going to look on in a mix of disappointment and hope. Disappointment that they couldn't do more to prevent this, but hopeful that 
they're gonna find a solution to end to this reign of terror. Okay. And then hopefully grab onto something and hope for the best. Oh yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll be like holding onto like a side rail or a rope or something. Maybe not near the railing, maybe more near the mast. Just hanging onto it. Um, so with two gigantic thunk noises, you guys can hear the sound of swelling, bubbling water underneath the boat. And as you guys can hear from the sides, it's like jacuzzi turrets just like turned on underneath the boat. And all of a sudden, the whole thing starts to lift a little bit in the water and starts to kind of wiggle back and forth as if kind of like, you know, like fishtailing in the water a little bit. And a couple of the deckhands here start to slash at some of the ropes and those tarps begin to go slack. They grab a couple of vials, toss them in and start to like smack the, the tarps as if they're like big water bladders. And they begin to swell up immediately as if somebody took one of those science class volcanoes and dumped it into a bag. And they begin to inflate to, a, to an extent they look like they might burst. And both of them fly up in the air to the point that it kind of looks like a couple of, uh, I don't know what like a couple of giant hot dogs, basically. Like, like two, two blimps, two zeppelins floating overhead on either side. And with that, the vessel begins to float up. And from what you guys can tell from the whirling underneath you guys, as it begins to lift above the water's edge, there must be air elementals or some strange air magic underneath you because it seems like a couple of small twisters are just tearing apart whatever is underneath the boat. The water's splashing everywhere. The gnomes that were underneath the deck have been tossed about into the water <laughs> and people are scrambling and running <laughs> away in fear as this thing just starts taking off to the sky. And as it happens... Uh, this thing rises about 60 to 100 feet off the ground, and you guys are very quickly floating up into the air, and with that, the uh, Lucky Dog and the rest of the Gnomish crew begin to prepare the mass and get everything ready for this thing to start moving forward. And as a group underneath the decks start to yell back and forth in Gnomish, this vessel starts to immediately lurch forward, and everybody feels the thing begin to tilt. And when I say tilt, I mean like <laughs> to like big wheelie so if i could get a nice strength saving throw from everybody who's not fixed to something such as klika or anton or jarzak okay, I mean, I'm, I'm holding the wheel can i does that give yeah, me yeah 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 well i mean everybody's holding on to something if anything the wheel's gonna be rotating that might make it harder but norhill's fine <laughs> completely over he's inside of a building inside of the boat he's all good so let's go ahead and get a strength saving throw from everybody as this thing begins to do a complete 90 degree tilt. I got a nine. Let's go. Oh, no. <laughs> Click, you got a 13. Ten. Okay, so Anton was holding on to the mass at this point, holding on to one of these big giant poles. And as you feel the thing begin to tilt, you realize you're literally like hanging at 90 degrees and your whole body is just dangling as this thing is pointing straight vertical and at one point you can't hold on any longer and you let go and begin to oh, fly backwards towards the door down below deck can i get a dexterity saving throw to try to grab onto something sure sounds very comical yeah that sounds terrifying imagine you like crash through the wall in the back of the boat and just go uh oh uh oh uh oh i fumbled here it is <laughs> and there ends the light bringer. He flew off into the sun. 
<laughs> no. Well, more than water, but yeah. And so with that, as you go hurtling 30 feet back, uh, you take seven points of damage as you crash below deck in the bunk room and <laughs> land right next to Norhill, who seems to be sort of rolled up on the wall <laughs> with the blindfold in hand. Oh, God. Norhill's form like a nice little steel roly-poly. And so with that, the boat begins to sort of correct itself a little bit at this point, and you can hear people screaming in terror even on the boat (laughs) as it begins to start to tilt in the right direction. And as the uh, people below (sighs) deck uh, where Norhill and Anton are, uh, you guys peep out the window, and you guys, if you'll give me a very quick perception check, everybody above deck can do it too. Klika gets advantage because of her height. Klika just thinks to herself, Klika's not going to be the one that drinks that potion. Probably melt you or turn you to ice or something. These gnomes cannot do anything right. Come on, look at Tartharja. Anton <laughs> got a 15. She got a 16. I'm sorry, what did Norhill get? Six. Okay, so I think Norhill's the only one who didn't see it, but everybody else looking out the windows. Um, it's, uh, sorry, who got the 22? Somebody got 22, right? Uh, yeah, no? I got I got 22 total with a nat 20 on my roll. Damn. So you can tell very clearly that everybody except for Norhill can see that there's boats in the distance, and they seem to be coming from the uh, from the east, over by Bonebreak, over by Escabellum. And there is a fleet of ships coming in. Like this is this is an entity of ships that are coming in here. And judging by the various flags on deck, this seems to be Azkabellan forces coming in. And the terror sinks into you guys as you realize those strange metal creatures in the water are still in there. And as you guys are floating and recorrecting course and heading in the opposite direction, all you could do is hope to scream in that direction, right? as they seem to maybe be marching into their sudden and very, very painful doom. But Jarzak, squinting verily with his orcish eyes, tell us what your orc eyes see. Um, Can you tell me what my orc eyes see? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that too. Um, These boats seem to be propelled forward as the waves around them seem to be, like, cresting just for the ships. They are in, like... Fast and the Furious level NOS mode as the waves behind them, seemingly directed by people on the boats, seem to be pushing them in this direction. And as everybody begins to look over the deck and look back behind them at the Azkabellan forces moving forward, you guys can see sinkholes appearing in the water, and you can see that whoever is on deck of these boats must be causing these riptides and whirlpools in front of them and seeming to direct the course of anything coming towards them away. And it's with this that Anton can tell as he looks through the little porthole in the back that it seems like Our Lady Ira may be on these boats somewhere, as well as many others who are gifted with the magics of the divine, much like Anton, and they seem to be directing the waters as salvation is entering the port of Anton as our flying ship, the Wave Wraith, flies far overhead. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. 
And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.